1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm really glad that you joined me. And we are talking today about actually helping the one you love and if you're just tuning in today i want to really encourage you to go to the website at cynthiahyatt.com and listen to last week's show because we started out this show it's a two-part series so if you're just tuning in there is the, the the show that we did last week and so i'll do a little bit of a recap but i really want to encourage you to to go to the website and listen to that and so we're really talking about the story of the good samaritan and how the Good Samaritan is such a great example of actually helping the ones that we love. And Jesus gives this great template, and he says at the end of that story, he says to the scholar, you know, after he says to him, so which of these proved himself the neighbor to the man who had mugged the robbers? Who was the good neighbor? And the young scholar said to Jesus, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, well then, go, behave like that Samaritan. So that's kind of like the call out for us, is that we're going to go and behave like that Samaritan. And and what does that really mean? Well, we looked at that story, and what we noticed was that there was two other players in the story other than the wounded man and the Samaritan, and that was the, the Levite and the priest. And they also saw this injured man on the side of the road, but what did they do? They walked on. They walked on by. And so what we notice about the Good Samaritan is that Not only did he notice the injured person, but he stopped. And so that's imperative when we are actually helping the one we love. Are we actually stopping, looking, listening, seeing what's going on with this person? Or are we just judging and walking on by? And so we notice and we stop. And the third thing that that good Samaritan did was he cared. He cared about that man, didn't know that man. But he cared about that man. And so he noticed he stopped and cared. The fourth thing, he did not judge. And so we talked about this idea that he was in, in, in this version of the voice. And again, this is the good Samaritan story. And this is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It says here in verse 33, Then a despised Samaritan journeyed by. And that's because these Samaritan people, they were despised by the Jewish people, despised to the fact that they were seen as throwaway, just throwaways. They, they They were seen as lower than low, not even to be acknowledged, looked at, touched, seen, even breathing the same air. That's how despised they were. And so this Samaritan, instead of despising this man on the side of the road, he did the opposite. He cared, and maybe because he had empathy and compassion. He knew what it felt like to be overlooked, to be judged, to be despised, to have somebody just walk on by. And so he stopped. He did not judge this man on the side of the road like he had experienced judgment. And and this was a very, very scary road to walk on the way to Jerusalem. In fact, it was the scariest road you could walk on. And so he didn't stop and, and think about this person and say, well, they probably deserved it. They were the one walking on this road, and they didn't, if they didn't know what they were getting into, well, then they deserved what they've got. Or he wasn't properly prepared. Who knows what judgment this Samaritan could have done in his mind? But he didn't. He valued this man. And, and I love this part of the scripture when it says, it says here, it's very powerful. He says that when he saw the fellow... He felt compassion on him. The Samaritan went over to him, stopped the bleeding, applied some first aid, and put the poor fellow on his donkey and brought the man to an inn and cared for him through the night. I mean, that's amazing. So he immediately stopped the bleeding. And he applied some first aid. And I love that because last week we ended with boundaries. And I was talking about having realistic expectations, that we have to have realistic expectations on ourselves. And the Samaritan here just did first aid. He didn't try to be a neurosurgeon. He didn't try to be a cancer specialist. He didn't try to be a psychiatrist. He simply was a neighbor. He acted as a good neighbor, a good friend. And he took him to the inn and he cared for him through the night. And the next day, he got up and left and went to work. So we see this man practicing such good boundaries. He didn't, like, stop his entire life to take care of this man. He still did his life. He went, he went to work. And so this is important when we look at this, that he had realistic expectations on himself and realistic expectations on the one who was sick. He didn't expect the guy to get better overnight. In fact, what he said to the innkeeper was, listen if the guy's still here and he's still sick, he still needs some help, let me know and I'll get you some more money. He says, please take care of the fellow. And if this isn't enough, I'll repay you the next time I pass through. So he didn't overcommit to this person. He did what he could. He had realistic expectations on himself and on this gentleman. He didn't know when he would get better. He didn't know if he would ever get better, actually. This man could have traumatic brain injury, for all we know. He may never get better. And so what we think about is this Samaritan had really good boundaries and really paced himself and really had good expectations on the whole entire situation, told very clearly to the innkeeper what he wanted him to do. He said, hey, could you take care of him the next couple of days if he doesn't leave? If he's not good in the morning i got to go to work. If he doesn't wake up today, could you please take care of him, and I'll give you some more money when I pass through. And so he was able to even ask for help from other people to care for this man. So it's amazing the amounts of things we see in this story. So when we talked about this idea about having good boundaries, and and what we left on last week was I said this very, very important piece is I need to know what I have control over, what I must accept, and what I must respect. And that's imperative. Because this good Samaritan didn't make decisions for this man other than he just made sure that he didn't pass away during the night if he could help it. But this man still had to figure out what he was going to do with himself. He had lost everything. And so we talked about this idea of what the Good Samaritan did and what the Good Samaritan didn't. The Good Samaritan didn't leave that man money. He left the innkeeper money, which is really important to look at. And when we read the scriptures, it said that the man was on the side of the street, naked, on the side of the road, naked. And so what the Good Samaritan did was cover him. So we talked last week about the difference between privacy and secrecy and covering people in their woundedness, in their injuries, whether it's psychological injury, whether it's physical injury, whether it's self-inflicted, whatever it is, that we cover people. We allow them privacy. And so what this Samaritan did was give this poor soul some privacy. So he had great boundaries. And so when we talk about this idea of what I must expect, what I, what I need to accept, and what I also need to respect is this very important key to understand that God gives the gift of life to everyone, and we are allowed to spend it however we so choose. And that's hard when we're dealing with adults, to respect the way they want to do their life, especially if they're not doing it the way that we think they should. And if they have a chronic illness, maybe they're not doing treatments the way we think they should. Maybe they're not taking medication, or maybe they're taking medication we don't think they should. Maybe they're taking medical marijuana and we have a really big problem with that and we don't think they should be doing that. Maybe we think they should be doing different types of cancer treatment and they're not. Maybe we think they should and they're refusing. Maybe they've decided that they fought the fight. They don't want to fight anymore. How do we have good boundaries and still love them? So it's important to understand that sometimes when I respect a person's life, that also might mean that I have less intimacy with them. So if there's someone that has a chronic addiction that refuses to get treatment, there may come a point where I say to them, I can't be this close to you. You are choosing these behaviors and refusing treatment, which means that I am better able to love you from a distance. The closer I get to you, the more angry I get. The closer I get, the more I judge you. The closer I get, the more I try to control this. So part of knowing where I end and you begin is I end at the point of authenticity. If I cross that line and I can't be authentic anymore, if I start thinking about your problems more than I'm thinking about my own life, if I start problem-solving for you more than I'm problem-solving my own life, I've crossed the line of where you begin, and I'm now trying to do your life for you. And we see this great example, the Good Samaritan does not do that. Neither does Christ. Neither does God; He does not do our life for us, so we need to be responsible for our own feelings, our actions, and our intentions so let 's look at for a minute what might be some symptoms that our boundaries may be weak, and we 're going to do that in this next segment because this is we 're going to spend a little bit of time on that so what when we talk about boundaries, and I want to encourage you again to go on the website because there is a show. That I think it's called the three B's of boundaries. And I talk extensively about boundaries. And so boundaries is that elusive line where I end and you begin. It's kind of like if you think about a highway and there's that dotted line that, that lets you cross over if you want to get into the other lane. Well, that line, that, that's, that's kind of like a, a, the boundary line of people that I can cross over into their life. And do a couple of things, but I still need to get back in my own lane. If I live in their lane, I'm going to be driving on top of them. Or imagine if I'm driving in my lane, they're driving in their lane, and I don't like how they're driving. So I roll down my window, I jump out of my window, jump into their car, and start driving for them. Well, what happens to my car? It crashes. It goes off the road. So we want to stay in our own life and do our life well. When we are trying to help people that their lives aren't going well, the best help we can give them is that our life is working. When you think about going to doctors, lawyers, pastors, therapists, mechanics, you go to a car mechanic and you look at their car and their car doesn't run. Hmm, what do you think? Do I actually want them working on my car? So you want to think about the best way to help someone you really love is to have your life working well. So this is Cynthia Hyatt. Join me in the next segment as we continue with this Actually Helping the One You Love. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. I hear the in my voice. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and if you are just joining me, Make sure that you visit the website at cynthiahyatt.com and that is C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. And exciting news, we're going to be having a new website in a couple of weeks. Maybe a month, but I'm hoping in about two to three weeks. So really you will like the new website. It's very easy to maneuver around. And so you can listen to the shows in their entirety if you miss any of this and you can't listen to the rest of the show. And especially if you need to listen to the one last week, because that's where we started this message on actually helping the one you love. And how do we do that? And so we left off in the last segment talking about the issue of boundaries. And that's always a very elusive kind of thing to try to explain. And so we use the statement that it's where I end and you begin. So we were talking in the last segment about understanding how powerful it is when I don't have good boundaries and how dangerous it can be. And so I gave the example of driving, and we have that that boundary line on the highway that means that I can drive very close to the car next to me. In fact, maybe like if you're in Los Angeles, almost like three feet in between, the lanes are so skinny. So those lane lines hold everybody safe. If we cross that line, it becomes very, very unsafe. And worst case scenario, imagine if I'm driving in my lane, you're driving in your lane, I don't like the way you're driving, or I think you're intoxicated, or I think you don't know how to drive. So I roll down my window, I jump out of my car, I jump into your car and make sure you're driving well. Oh my goodness, well what happens to mine and all the people that are then affected by the fact that I evacuated my car? So I want you to really think about that's the idea of boundaries, that if I do boundaries really well, that dotted line is the boundary between you and me, which means we can be very, very close. But if I cross that line, it gets very dangerous emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically even. We know physical boundaries when those lines get crossed. And so it's imperative that if I really want to help the person that I love, that I do my life well. And I take really good care of me. The better I am, the more I have to give. And we looked at the life of Christ, that he did amazing amounts of miracles, more than could ever be reported, John was saying at the end of his chapter. So many miracles, it could not, it would have filled more books than was on the earth at that time. And apparently on that, at that time, there was about 600,000 books that they knew of on the earth at the time of Christ. And that the miracles he did while he was here would have filled 600,000 books and more. Wow, that's a lot of work. But Christ did that because he took good care of himself. He knew he needed to eat, to sleep, spend time with his friends, spend time with his father. And he knew when to walk away, have quiet time. He knew where he ended and other people began. He knew what he could control and what he wasn't going to control. And he respected and accepted the way that people were living and help them change if they so if they so chose to do that and we have those examples where jesus always said to each person he was healing do you want to be healed do you want this because he wasn't going to make anybody do anything so part of boundaries is recognizing i have to respect their choices so what might be some symptoms that our boundaries may be weak well I start to feel heavy laden, overwhelmed, and unappreciated. And I, I love the verse in Mark, and it's also, I think, well, I think in Matthew, that says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And I have learned that so well, that the burden that God has given me is light. I feel it, I feel the burden, but I can do it. I've been in private practice for 26 years now. That is, that is a long time and a lot of people, but I really can do it. I always feel when I've gotten outside of God's burden that he's given me is if I do too many people in one week and God has given me clear boundaries as to how many client hours I do. If I exceed those hours for any length of time, all of a sudden that burden becomes very heavy, very heavy. And I feel overwhelmed and I feel unappreciated or I feel weary. I feel hopeless. I start to think, man, I just got to quit. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this for another year. But when I do the boundaries God has given me, his burden is light and his yoke is easy, and I'm able to do it. So you always want to remind yourself, if you are helping, if you are a caregiver for someone with a chronic illness, and you start to be heavy laden, and you become weary, and you want to quit, one of the things you might want to say, am I doing more than what God has asked me to do? Should I be getting more help? Am I doing things this person should be doing? And if they don't want to do it, do I need to just respect that? So we also know their boundaries are weak when we start overcommitting. We start saying yes to everything and we start get forgetful. We start letting people down. We say, "Oh my gosh, I forgot. I have so much going on. I forgot. I didn't We don't show up to things. We 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 start getting sick. And, you know, one of the things that God had said to me years and years ago is he said, Cynthia, listen, you can either take a vacation or you can get sick, but you're going to stop one way or the other. And I went, oh, my goodness. Okay, Lord, I really want a vacation. I'd rather take a vacation than than just be sick for a week because I won't stop working. So that really helps us to know, wow, how do I know when my boundaries get weak and I'm not doing self-care? Well, sometimes we might feel like, we're not sure if it's our idea or God's directive. When I stop hearing from God, sometimes I need to say to myself, that might mean that I've been listening to myself for too long. And so maybe I start feeling like a martyr. I feel like nobody cares, and nobody notices, like all my labor is in vain. And I start depending on my own strength, and I start feeling very alone in the process. And I also know a big one when my boundaries get weak. I start avoiding the word no, or I'm unable to say no. I start protecting people from natural and logical consequences. And that has to do with being tired. So maybe I just start doing things that they should do, and I start accepting things I shouldn't, and I don't say no to the things I should, and I say no, you know, and I I don't say no to what I should, and I say no to things I shouldn't say no to, like going to sleep or taking care of myself, taking a vacation, these things. So we really want to understand... When our boundaries start to get weak, and I want to encourage you in Galatians 6, 9, the Lord says to us, let us not become weary in well-doing for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, that means that God wants us to pace ourselves. This is not a sprint. This is pacing ourselves. And that we don't want to become weary in well-doing. We don't want to do all of it in one day. And we don't want to cross those boundary lines and be doing things that God has not called us to do and then become weary. And I like Matthew 11:28 28 through 30. This is the Message Bible. This is the verse I was referring to initially. And it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Burned out on religion? He says, Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that part of that portion says that I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting. That is, I will not give you a burden that is too heavy for you. My burden is light for you and my yoke is easy. It fits you. So if you are called to be a primary caregiver for somebody with a chronic disease, a chronic illness, it will not be heavy laden and it will not be ill-fitting. Doesn't mean you won't feel it. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue with this idea of actually helping the one you love. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm so glad you're joining me. We are finishing up Actually Helping the One You Love. That is the message we've been doing the last two weeks, and we have two more segments to go. So if you're just tuning in, please uh, visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and you can listen to those shows in its entirety, and I don't want you to miss this entire um, segment, because this is really imperative in today's world, especially we have all kinds of chronic illnesses, diseases, um, uh, a plethora of problems that we are struggling with. And, and it's really important that we understand if we are really going to help the one that we love, how we do that. Well, and so we left off in the last segment talking about the whole issue of boundaries and how to know if my boundaries are weak and I gave you the verse of Galatians 6, 9, which talks about not being weary and well-doing. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 is about my burden being light and my yoke being easy. And that God is wanting us to understand that if we're feeling weary and well-doing, if the burden is heavy, we're probably not practicing good boundaries. And good boundaries entails self-care. And many times with the people that we love that are really struggling, they may not be doing it the way we want them to or think they should. They may not be doing it at all. They may not even be letting us help them. And so that is painful. And if they are, if they are really appreciative of us, if they really let us help, if they let us problem solve, let us be involved, it still is hard work. And so Proverbs uh, chapter three, verse five and six, this says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him. He will make your paths straight. And if you are dealing with a chronic um, illness of any kind, a terminal illness, uh, if you are dealing with somebody that has been injured and is now compromised for the rest of their life, these are enduring, long-suffering, long-term issues. And we need to trust God with all our heart. And it says that we lean not on our own understanding, that in all our ways we submit them to him and he will make our path straight. He's not asking us to be God. He's not asking us to be doctors. He's not asking us to be lawyers, pastors, therapists, whatever that is. He's saying you're a support, you're a good neighbor. And and we talked all about that story of the good Samaritan. And that the good Samaritan was practicing such good boundaries and did this man so right. He did no harm to this man. And so one of the boundaries I have for myself is even if I don't know everything, don't know how to do everything, the one thing I always make sure is that I do no harm. I just don't want to harm the person. Anyone that is coming to me for help or that I find along the way that needs help, I just don't want to do them harm. And if I start there, I end up having realistic expectations on myself, on the person I'm trying to help, and on God. And so 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. I love this verse. And this one says... Therefore, my dear brothers, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so I give my, myself fully to the work that God has me to do, but I don't do more than what, what is fully. I just do my best. I do what I have, and I recognize that I don't have everything and I'm not going to be able to be perfect, and I'm not God. And so I do my best. I give myself fully to what God has asked me to do, and I do my best. So we want to look at this idea of boundaries, and I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. First of all, do you know what you actually are responsible for? What is mercy and grace? What are the degrees of disability this person has? Do you have guardianship? Are you a power of attorney? Are you just a friend? Are you a parent? Are you a spouse? Are you a sister or a brother? What, what, what are you really responsible for? And you need to understand the levels of responsibility and, and what that really means. Am I doing more? Am I doing less? How involved should I be? This is part of assessing boundaries. The good Samaritan asked himself, what is he really responsible for? Well, what he did. He cleaned up his wounds. He gave him a little first aid, put the poor soul on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid the innkeeper, watched him through the night, and he went and he did his job. He knew what he was responsible for as a good neighbor, just a good, decent person. How involved? He didn't take him home. He didn't become best friends. In fact, he even said to, to the innkeeper, listen, if he, if he doesn't wake up uh, the next morning and he needs more help, when I come back and pass through, I'll give you some money. So he even asked the innkeeper to help and watch him while he left. How educated do I have to be? Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. So you want to make sure that you're educating yourself enough to help, not to be something that you're not. And so boundaries are imperative. You need to be educated enough to care well and have realistic expectations. You need to understand the level of dependency that's going on with this person. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we finish this idea of actually helping the one you love. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So if you're just joining in, I always want to encourage you to visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that is spelled dot com, and my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc., that's INC for Incorporated. And I also always forget to remind you that many of the shows that you are listening to, I do as lectures. I'm a keynote speaker, and I've spoken all over the world, and I love doing these things for your group. So let me know if if you would like that to be happening for your group. You can get a hold of us through the website. So we are finishing up this two-part series on actually helping the one you love and what that really means. And this is talking about chronic illnesses now. Certainly what we talked about today will work with anybody that you love it's it's always very helpful but this is for people that have long-term enduring illness terminal illnesses mental illness um, maybe they are um, elderly maybe they are disabled and so really understanding how you do that well and we use the story of the Good Samaritan so I want to encourage you to read that story as well that's Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37 and really understand what the Good Samaritan really did. And what we know is that he, he noticed, and the other two men in the story also noticed, but they did not stop. The Good Samaritan noticed. He stopped, though. He assessed what was going on. He covered this man who was naked. He took care of his wounds as best as he could. He gave him a little first aid. He didn't try to be a doctor. He didn't try to be a lawyer. didn't try to be anything other than just a decent, good neighbor didn't judge this man, valued this man, didn't just walk past and say, well, he probably deserves what he got. Really helped him. And then he actually went on and did his life as well. So he gave provision, but he didn't give him his entire bank account. He said, this is what I have to give. This is the time. This is the energy I have. This is the money I have. And that I will freely give. But he didn't try to give more than what he had. So he had excellent boundaries. So we left off in that last segment saying, you need to know what you're responsible for, truly. You need to know how involved you should actually be. And you need to know how educated do you really need to be. What do you need to be educated on? And it, I would recommend that you go and speak with someone that can help you with this. If you have someone that's in hospice, speak to the hospice workers. If you have someone that's maybe going into hospice, they know great, they they have great Um, education to be able to give to people if it's about a a particular illness go and talk to somebody that's a professional about that talk to a therapist if you need to look at power of attorney get a lawyer get these things so you have the information that you need but you also want to make sure that you are practicing good boundaries your burden is not heavy god says my burden is light my yoke is easy we don't want to become weary and well-doing which means that if we're feeling those things, we are not having good boundaries. So we want to really work on that and make sure that that we understand where we end and the other person begins. We also want to make sure that we manage our own ego because, you know, our ego shows up more frequently than I would like my ego to show up. And when I talk about ego, I'm not talking about a healthy ego. I'm talking about a fragile ego. I'm talking about an ego that needs approval, that is performance oriented, that wants to be liked, that wants to be important. Now, listen, that's all of us. Okay. Just let me be clear. (laughs) That's all of us. That's human. It's when our ego is unchecked. Okay. And when we don't have our ego in check, we cross boundaries all the time. We might get a little controlling. We take things way too personally. So if the person is doing what We want them to do, we feel good about ourselves. If they're not doing what we want them to do, then we take it personally and we feel bad and we get hurt. And we really need to practice having our ego in check. And that is a lot about boundaries where I end and you begin. And how much of my worth and value am I getting from taking care of this person? And we don't want to get into all that codependent stuff. So, I really recommend if you start to struggle with that, which the majority of us have different area, levels of struggle with that, that you also go to the website and um, scroll through all the, the shows that are listed, and there is one on codependency, and I recommend that you listen to that show as well. So, I have two quotes that I like about ego, and the first one says, The ultimate, a- the ultimate aim of the ego is not to see something, but to be something. I mean, that's powerful. That's totally the Good Samaritan. The, 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 the priest and the Levite, the, the, they wanted to be something. So they saw what was going on with the, the poor man on the side of the road, but they wanted to be somebody. So what happened with the Good Samaritan? His ego didn't need to be seen. It saw something. He noticed this man and what this man needed. There's another good one. This is ego. It says the only requirement to destroy any relationship, ego. So be a bigger person, skip the E and let it go. Skip the ego, let it go. We need to not take these things so personally and not have them be such a reflection of ourselves. So I want to let you know, I want to take about five minutes here and talk really about mental illness. So When someone has a mental illness diagnosis, these are the things they really wish that we would all know. First of all, they do not want to be defined by their illness. It's exhausting for people that have depression for everyone to say, oh, well, that's your depression. Oh, well, they can't because they're depressed. You know, or anxious. They don't take anybody seriously. Well, you're just anxious. You're always anxious. It's like, well, no, maybe the house really is burning down. (laughs) So we need to be really aware when we are defining people By their illness and we can do this with people that have chronic um, physical illnesses as well or disabilities we can define them and label them by that disability or illness so they also want us to know that it's scary knowing that they may face rejection and judgment and this is especially with people that have um, illnesses that are not socially acceptable or have mental illnesses bipolar disorder um, dissociative identity disorder, anxiety disorder, any of the personality disorders, depression, anxiety, uh, ADHD, um, any obsessive compulsive disorder, any of these disorders, it's scary to know that if I tell you about it, I might be judged and I might be rejected. And you may then start to define me by that illness and see everything I do and say through that grid. Instead of recognizing that that's something I'm dealing with. That doesn't make it be me. And so it's also terrifying for them to think that people will give up on them or get burned out because they're not healed yet. And so it's scary for them to think that people are going to get so tired of this illness because it's not going away, that I better gear up, show up like I'm okay. And if I'm not okay, I just won't show up because I don't want people to get tired of me or frustrated with me or start to judge me or be sad for me, or have the focus be all about that. And so it's hard for people with illnesses to think, what's going to happen if someone cares about me and I don't heal? Then what happens? What if God really doesn't heal this? Or what if it takes 10 years? What if it takes 15 years? How much money is it going to take for me to try to heal? And are they going to be angry and resentful of me? They also want us to know that when they are wrestling with God, that does not mean they don't have faith. When they are mad at God, when they don't want to go to church anymore, when they're tired of Christian music, they don't want you to send them Bible verses anymore, that doesn't mean they don't believe. It doesn't mean they've lost their faith. And if they are questioning their faith, people that question their faith are people that have something to question. People that don't question their faith don't have any faith. So you want to recognize that this is a part of their process. And they also, get, they, they also get worried about losing their autonomy for a relationship. And what that means is that, wow, I don't get to be in, in, independent anymore because I have to depend on you. And so I'm going to lose that independency, and I'm going to have this new relationship with you, and I don't get to have the old one I used to have with you. And so now I'm dependent on you. And if I'm don't stay dependent on you, and I try to be independent, I'm going to lose you. So you really want to understand that these are some huge things that people that have mental illness, and and often as well chronic illnesses, deal with. Now in terms of very specifically mental illness, these are some very helpful tips. I want you to think about psychotropic medications, and these are things like um, what we call SSRIs, that would be Prozac, Zoloft, Celexa, Wilbutrin, Effexor, uh, Cymbalta, these types of things. We also have psychotropic medications that are used for things like bipolar disorder that is Depakote. Um, Tegretol sometimes is used. We have lithium. Um, some of the newer ones are, are um, um, Abilify, Lamictal, these types of things. We also have ADHD um, medications as well and those are generally stimulants although we do have some that are not stimulants so it's really important that you understand when we are dealing with general psychotropic medications that are what we call class 2 which means they are not addictive so it's really important that you understand that people that take things for depression like the SSRIs for bipolar disorder they do not become addicted to these and the way that we know addictions occur is if it is a mood-altering substance. Mood-altering substances are things like pain medications, um, any of the street drugs. These are class one drugs. Now they are changing some of the drug classifications, so that's typically how we classify them. So one of the ways that you know that a drug is not addictive is if people don't party with it. So I say to people all the time, nobody parties with Prozac, okay? Nobody parties with Lamictal, because it is not mood-altering. What it does is stabilizes the chemical um, life of the person that's suffering so that they actually are at the level that would be what we would say average. So it gives them back something that their DNA has taken from them. And you have to understand how arrogant our brain is. Our, our brain is very arrogant, and it's, we have to remind ourselves it's an organ like any other organ in the body. We don't see brains floating to heaven. So it's imperative that we remind ourselves that our brain, any person that struggles with these things does not want to take medication. They don't. We don't have trouble taking heart medication or medication for diabetes or whatever it is. But if we have to take medication for a mental illness, we all resist it. Nobody likes that feeling. And so we have to really support them and help them get a handle on their brain. We have a very arrogant brain. And the transformation it occurs with a person is the renewing of their mind and our mind uses our brain to live our lives just like we use our computer to interact with the world our brain is simply a computer and we want it to work well nobody asks for these things and i remind people frequently we don't ask for our dna if we are predisposed or sent or or more sensitive to depression or anxiety, and we have a family situation that maybe kicks that off, we have some family of origin or some abuse that occurs or, or, or undue stress, that is different than family of origin issues or what we call dysfunction. So many times families that have severe dysfunction usually have mental illnesses involved somewhere. But this is a mental illness is not the same as codependency. It isn't a behavioral cognitive issue that we just teach the person how to think and it will go away. When we have mental illness, we do need medication, and that helps them to think appropriately so that the symptoms go away. So it's important that you recognize that that you want to have compassion on the person that struggles with this. They did not ask for this. So I hope this helps, and I want to encourage you in loving the person that God has given you and that you are to never quit praying and never quit hoping. And that you do accept God's will. And you always believe that God can do anything whenever he wants to do that. And we don't grow weary in well-doing. And that we really make sure that we understand that healing comes from heaven. And I'm asking for what you need. And you say that to the person, that we never give up. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I hope this was helpful to you today. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com facebook at cynthia hyatt inc inc for incorporated and again always jeremy my best producer ever thank you so much i don't know what i would do have a great week and we'll talk to you next week
1: we hope this past hour has been encouraging motivating and inspiring to you